Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from, that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first, to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future, and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. 
For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just want to thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world. Super excited to be joined today by Dr. Philippe Durian, who is a board-certified neurologist who focuses on improving your health and life by teaching you how to become the leader of your brain, which I love and fascinated by. My friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, as have I. I am super excited because I am fascinated by the brain. I'm fascinated by the impact we have with creating neuroplasticity in our life. I'm fascinated by the idea that the way we think today doesn't have to be the way we think tomorrow. And I'm excited to go deep with you. But before we do, uh, can you create a little context for us all and tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I'm a board certified neurologist, like you mentioned, and I went into neurology because growing up, I had a cousin who had epilepsy, uh, and thankfully she grew out of it as she uh, got older. And then when I was in my teenage years, I had a grandmother uh, who developed Alzheimer's disease. And so even though those two disorders can be really devastating to witness and certainly devastating for the person to go through, um, it also fascinated me about how when our brains are working the way that they're designed to, just how impactful our lives can be and how great our lives can be. Um, and so I was really fascinated with the brain. So that's why I went into neurology. And uh, you know, throughout my own personal journey, um, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with kidney failure. I had my first kidney transplant at the age of 27, uh, eight days after graduating from medical school. I had a second kidney transplant earlier this year. And for me to be able to overcome those kind of challenges, I really had to become the leader that my brain needed me to be. And so that's really what I teach people, that a lot of what they're looking for in terms of healing and improving their lives, it's not found in a pill bottle. It's really in the way that we think um, and the way that we engage our brains. It's so fascinating to me. First off, an incredible journey, right? And I think that many times when we face these obstacles in life, it's easy to like back down and go surrender and submit. And so first and foremost, congratulations to you to just be like, no, I'm going to go and make my life happen regardless. One of the things I'm curious about and, and that you mentioned is making your your brain the leader. And like, there's this weird thing that I don't think people understand that they actually have this huge amount of control over their brain. Can you talk about and kind of framework what it actually means to be the leader of your own brain? Yeah, so I see people all the time where their, their brains are leading them. And what I mean by that is, think about this. When you have, let's say a bad moment in the day, like your friend upset you for whatever reason, right? It's not just that you're upset now at your friend, then you start thinking about how rough your life is and you become upset with yourself. Then you start thinking about how bad the world is and you become you know, really upset with the world. And it just takes you down this negative sort of spiral. And so the reason that the brain does that is because first and foremost, its job is to help you to survive. It needs to protect you. And so it's always looking out for those negative things, right? Which is not always in our best interest. And so being the leader that our brain needs means that essentially uh, using our experiences to influence the way that we think and the way that we act. And so everything that we do every single day influences our brain's evolution. It, our thoughts influence our brain's evolutions, the actions we take do so, the people that we surround ourselves with, the, the experiences that we have. And it's really about teaching people to make really conscious decisions daily so that their brains don't go down this negative route and instead focuses on the positive. Because when we focus on the positive, that also has this tremendous healing impact, not just on our brains, but also on our bodies and as well as on our lives. What 
what causes that? Because you hear this all the time where people talk about having control over your thoughts, being positive, thinking like this, but why does that actually work? Like what is happening in that moment and in those processes that lead to this place where it actually has impact? Yeah. So when you think about what's going on in your brain, so when you're having a lot of negative thoughts, right? So your brain sort of goes into you know, you really turn on sort of your sympathetic nervous system, your brain goes into fight, uh, flight or freeze mode, right? So you're operating from a place of really chronic stress and trauma. And so you get chemicals like cortisol, which are um, being secreted and over a long period of time have, have a really negative impact, not just on your brain, but also on your body, right? Um, so a lot of people who are chronically stressed will come to me and say, look, you know, I, I can't make new memories. I'm having memory problems. And that's because something like cortisol actually causes the neurons, the cells in the part of the brain responsible for making new memories. It causes those cells to die off, right? So that's a really negative consequence of, of having negative thoughts. Now, when you have positive thoughts, right, that causes the release of endorphins, a lot of the feel-good um, sort of hormones. And so you start really thinking about your life in a completely different way. You start searching for the positive in things. Um, and those feel-good hormones, not they don't just allow you to feel good, but they help reduce your blood pressure. They help reduce the levels of chronic stress. Um, that way you're not having that negative impact on your brain and body. And it really promotes healing physically, emotionally, mentally, as well as neurologically. Can I challenge you on something? Because I'm really curious. I've worked with a lot of people throughout my career and even had these moments myself where I go, there is absolutely nothing positive in my life right now. Right. When, and so my challenge to you in this is how, if someone has that thought process, do you navigate helping them find positivity in their life when it feels so not even necessarily only melancholic, but depressive and painful and sad and hurtful, you know, how do you really push someone maybe push isn't the right word, but how do you help someone navigate into this place where they can associate or even create something positive in their thought process? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a personal example. So for me, I was diagnosed with COVID back in January and I was hospitalized for uh, two weeks, right? And as a doctor, watching your oxygen saturation go down is not a fun thing at all. And there were certainly days where I thought that I was not gonna make it. But COVID took its toll on my kidneys. It, sh it just completely wrecked um, the kidney function that I had left and I needed to do dialysis. Dialysis was the thing that I feared the most. Everything that I did was to avoid dialysis up until that point. And so when they told me that I needed to do dialysis, I, I, I cried, right? Because that's not what I wanted to do. And so I allowed myself to feel those feelings, but then I told myself, okay, I can do dialysis the way that I've seen patients do it before in the hospital, where it almost seems like they're waiting for death, or I can decide to do dialysis in a completely different way. And so I went from feeling really depressed about my life, like this sucks, this is not what I wanted, I'm tired of having to face my mortality to be like, I've, I've got to overcome this challenge. I've got to think about it very differently. Um, and so when I was doing dialysis, there were times where I was working on a lot of personal development stuff. I was reading during dialysis. I was practicing French. I was doing interviews with news organizations and taking business meetings. Um, I remember one time, you know, I was playing basketball with my sons and my son said something about me being sick. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not sick. I'm sitting here beating you in basketball, <laughs> you know? So part of it is about changing the way that you think about things. But to help you change the way that you think, you also have to take completely different actions. You need new experiences, right? And I see people who every day do the same exact thing and somehow expect that their lives are gonna change. They think the same thoughts, they have the same routines, and think that their lives are gonna change. So sometimes you have to do things differently and you also have to be very mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with. So I didn't surround myself with, you know, I didn't hang out with other uh, kidney uh, disease patients, right? Because a lot of times when you're hanging out with other patients, everybody's sort of down and they just talk about all the negatives and that's where their focus is on. Um, I hung around with people who saw that I was going through a difficult time in my life and acknowledged that and appreciated 
but also who saw the greatness and the opportunity that I had, the opportunity to connect with other people, right? To help people who are in similar situations um, and maybe who don't have the same kind of resources uh, that I have. And that when I say resources, it's the mental and neurological resources that I have. Um, so I think you, it's really about changing the way that you think about things, having completely new experiences, taking different actions, and making sure that you surround yourself with people that are going to help you through these tough moments. Yeah, and so much of that is adaptation, right? And and starting to leverage. And you didn't use the word, but a part of that process is understanding neuroplasticity. And this is a word that I think, especially right now in personal development, in in podcasting, and everything that we're seeing in the world is thrown around so much. But I, I don't think anyone's really talked about what it means, what neuroplasticity like really is at the fundamental root of it. Can you talk? through with us exactly what neuroplasticity is. Yeah, so neuroplasticity is about how our brains adapt, how they learn, how they heal after injury. Neuroplasticity is really about our brain's ability to make new neurons and new connections. So for a really long time, we thought that we were born with a certain amount of neurons and the only things that could really happen was that as we age, that we'd lose some neurons due to aging, Maybe we'd lose some neurons due to some degenerative process like Alzheimer's disease, or maybe we get like some kind of brain injury and lose neurons as a result. Well, we now know differently. We now know that we have the ability to make new neurons and new connections every single day throughout our entire lives, as long as we're giving our brains what it needs uh, in order to do so. And what's really powerful about that, that idea, that theory, is that if our brains are capable of changing and evolving, that means that as individuals, we're capable of changing and evolving. That means that as a society, we're capable of changing and evolving. And so our lives are not static, right? Our brains are not static. Both our lives and our brains are, are absolutely dynamic and capable of evolving into whatever we want our lives to be. And in that, how much of that do we like truly have control over? Because the reason I ask that is I think about this idea of like applying neuroplasticity to our medical, mental, and our neurological disorders. Like, is there is there actually a level of control that we have in our own neuroplasticity? Oh, we have absolute control over our, our neuroplasticity. So the biggest promoter of neuroplasticity is physical exercise, right? So the brains that we have today as modern human beings is very different than the brains that human beings had 200,000 years ago, right? Our brains today are bigger, they're more complicated, they have a lot more neurons and connections. And so then the question is, well, why did modern humans develop these bigger, more complicated brains? There was a study that was done at Harvard uh, where they sort of looked at why human beings developed the way that they did. And what they found was that our bodies and brains developed as they did because of our need to run long distances. And so when you think about um, humans from 200,000 years ago, right? They had, to, they had to scavenge for food. They had to fight off predators. They had to run away from predators. They had to navigate new lands. All of that caused their brains to make new neurons and new connections. And so when you think about today, being physically active is, an, is a huge promoter of neuroplasticity. Right? The other things that people don't realize is that the kind of foods that we eat have a huge impact on our ability uh, to make new neurons and new connections. They even have an impact on whether or not we're causing dysfunction in neurons and new connections. And I'll give you an example. I had a patient who had epilepsy, bad epilepsy her entire life, and she was now in her 30s. She had had two epilepsy surgeries. She was on like five or six different um, anti-epileptic medications and still having seizures. And I finally got her to a place where she, she was seizure-free for six months. And I did that by simply removing soda from her diet, right? And then all of a sudden, she started coming back to the ER. And I was like, what's going on? You know, like you were seizure-free for six months, and now you're having these seizures. And she said to me, well, you're never going to take soda out of my diet ever again. And she had these two one-liter bottles of Pepsi at the bedside, right? So food has a huge impact on our ability uh, to heal and, and evolve our brains, right? Not getting enough sleep, getting into the deeper stages of sleep is crucial for neuroplasticity. That's when our brains release this chemical called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which promotes neuroplasticity, right? I mentioned already that chronic stress can cause um, 
neurons to, to degenerate and, and kills off neurons in certain places. So minimizing stress is also crucial for uh, allowing neuroplasticity to take place. So there are things that we can do every single day. And I haven't even mentioned learning yet, right? Learning and developing ourselves is crucial for that. Hey, Unbroken Nation, quick pause in today's episode to tell you about the brand new Think Unbroken app. That's right. I just released a brand new app in the App Store that you can take the first course in the Think Unbroken curriculum, the five keys to healing trauma. It's a seven-day course for free. All you have to do is go into your app store right now. You can pause this video and search Think Unbroken. That's on both Apple and Android. And you can take the Think Unbroken Five Keys to Healing Trauma seven-day course for free. This is daily coaching from me. It's daily activities, daily check-ins. I built this course in this app specifically to bring huge value to you in your life, where you're at and what you're trying to do and going next and becoming the hero of your own story. So check out the app store again, Apple and Android. Just simply search Think Unbroken and you will see the Think Unbroken app. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. Seems to me like there are so many different aspects of starting to create neuroplasticity of our lives that often maybe it could be overwhelming. If if you were to narrow it down and just go, this is the singular thing you should do to start with, what would that be? So the singular thing I would be like, you need to move your body. You need to exercise on a regular basis. Like, And it doesn't mean that you have to go to the gym. If you're somebody who loves dancing, find a way to dance three, four, five times a week for 30 to 40 minutes at a time, right? Because our bodies are designed to move. And at the helm of that is our nervous system. It's our brain and spinal cord. And so when we're moving, that promotes neuroplasticity. And in fact, studies have shown that kids who are jogging before the school day starts, if they're exercising before the school day starts, that they're more likely to retain information and do better on a test than kids who cram into the very last minute. So we know that exercise is incredibly important for neuroplasticity. I love that. And I, I think that I, I measure this in, in my own way too. If I go back in time, at one point I was over 350 pounds and I look at the mental structure of my life and it was like, it was so bad that I, I, I put myself in this position of only ever doing things to sabotage myself. Yep. And that's because I think that there is, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I think that there's a pivotal pendulum swing in this process that when you start to take care of your body, your mind in turn starts to take care of itself or vice versa. Or maybe there's a syn syn synchronicity there to it. I don't know. Um, but what are your thoughts with that? Does that feel true? Absolutely. The the best moments in my life in terms of when I'm doing the best emotionally, mentally, when I'm the most successful is when I'm taking care of my body. When I'm prioritizing my physical health, everything else seems to fall into place. So even when I was doing dialysis and I had this um, catheter implanted in my chest, I made it a point to exercise three or four times a week, right? To allow me to get stronger for the um, kidney transplant, but also for my own mental and emotional health, right? So the exercise is incredibly important. And, and I would assume, I'm just going to guess, people thought you were crazy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the dialysis team was like, don't, don't exercise too much, right? Even after my transplant. So I started exercising maybe like two, three weeks later. You know, started really, really easy. But yeah, my transplant team was like, you should not exercise for like three months. I'm like, if I don't exercise for three months, I'm going to like, 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 I'm going to like off myself. Like, there's no way after everything that I've been through, like I, it needs to be my anchor. Right. So it's incredibly important. I love that. And and I do think, and I believe that for myself too, it's, it's become such a profound part of my experience just to move my body. Because one of the things that I understand that I want to dive into you here is the, the association of the impact of trauma on the brain and the way that that creates these huge, huge ramifications in your life. As someone who is in this area, who sees this all the time on a daily basis, talk to us a little bit more about what you found to be as far as the impact of trauma on the brain and neuroplasticity. 
Yeah, so I think when people think about trauma, right, this, this experience that they have that's really disturbing, really distressing, it could be something mental, uh, physical, emotional, sexual, right, they always think about it from the perspective of a, a fight response or a flight response. So, you know, something bad happens to you, you're either going to fight or you're going to run away. One of the things that people do not realize is that there's a third response. There's a freeze response, right? So I don't know if you've ever seen like a possum playing dead. That's an example of a freeze response. So when, when you have a predator that's going to attack you, if you essentially freeze and play dead, it's less likely to attack you, right? If you're going to fight, then you trigger in that predator um, their sort of their response, their own response to fight, right? If you're going to run away, you also may trigger in that predator their response to fight. And another example of this, a personal example, is when I was about 11, 12 years old, I was walking back home with three of my friends, uh, back home from school, and some older teenager comes up to us, puts a gun to my head, and demands uh, the book bags of my, uh, my two friends. And I froze, right? Can you imagine if in that moment I tried to fight? Like I would have been shot dead or potentially even if I tried to run, I might've been shot dead. And so these are some of the um, responses, the automatic responses that we have that our brain gives us to give, to give us the best chance of survival, right? And one of the places that we see the freeze response often take place and our legal system has not caught up to this yet, is when we're talking about victims of sexual assault, right? Oftentimes you'll hear lawyers say, well, did they fight off their attacker, right? And it's like, if they didn't, then it's used against them. But there's a freeze response that occurs that enhances their ability to survive that attack. So I think we need to be aware of just how our brains respond to trauma in the moment, right, acutely, and then how it responds to trauma over a long period of time. And when you look at some of the research around the long-term impacts, can you talk about that a little bit more in depth than what you've seen and also how you start to mitigate that long-term impact through neuroplasticity? Sure, so, so I said before that stress, um, one of the things that we see with stress is that there are neurons in different parts of the brain that start to die. Trauma is stress taken to like the nth degree. It's a severe form of stress. And so one of the things that you see with trauma victims is that they're constantly having flashbacks. They're constantly having memories of intrusive memories of whatever their trauma was, regardless of what's going on in their life at the moment, almost like they cannot make new memories. And the reason being that they actually can't, right? Because they're they're operating at such a high stress level, their cortisol levels are so elevated that it's impacting the neurons in the hippocampus, the part of the brain responsible for making new memories. So it's like they're constantly in that fight, flight, or freeze um, <clears throat> or freeze response. And I, I'm an epileptologist, which means I specialize in people who have epilepsy, people who have seizures. 30% of people who have, who've been diagnosed with epilepsy don't actually have epilepsy. And so when somebody has epilepsy, it's because there's an abnormal firing in their brain that's occurring, almost like a short circuit in their brain, right? Those people, those, that 30% have what we call non-epileptic events, meaning that their bodies look like they're having seizures, but they don't have an abnormal misfiring in their brain. These 49% of the, the time have experienced some kind of significant trauma in their life. And this is their body's way of manifesting that trauma, especially if they haven't worked through it. And so trauma has a way of sort of rearing its, its ugly head even months and years later. And sometimes it's about identifying what these triggers are for these events um, to really help the person. It's fascinating to me that it's almost like fa would phantom seizures be an appropriate way to phrase that? I'm just thinking about the fact that 
you know, I, I've had I've had my own flashbacks. I've had these crazy moments where until I really started to step into this healing journey, like I couldn't make new memories. And I was always in this fight or flight state. And then I started going through all of these things like journaling and meditation and therapy and group therapy and NLP and CBT and EMDR and blah, 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 all the acronyms. Right. And then now it feels like I have some sort of a semblance of control over the way that I'm able to really control the way I think. Do you think that I, I've run into this with people sometimes on occasion where I've had these conversations? I say, I do believe that we are able to control what we think. How do you, how do you like, are there tools? Is there something in this process that you could give to someone listening right now who maybe are on the other side of this fence where go, I don't have control. I'm always having flashbacks. It's so chaotic. You know, we talked about this idea of being positive, trying other actions, things of that nature, but is there, is there maybe one thing where you're like, if you do this one thing, you can start to create control? Yeah. So first I'll go back to when you mentioned phantom seizures. So we used to call them pseudo seizures, right? But it implied that people were faking it. So we don't call them that anymore. Um, we Essentially, we call them now psychogenic non-epileptic events. But there's also a movement to move away from that psychogenic portion of it. But essentially, we call them these non-epileptic events, right? And they're they're um, significant for somebody who's experienced trauma. They're certainly not doing it on purpose. It is, again, their brain and body's way of manifesting this, this traumatic event. And if we're talking about the way that we think, right, there are some studies out there that suggest that we have somewhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. So we've got a lot of thoughts per day, right? But 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same exact thoughts that we had yesterday. So when people are, are wanting their lives to change, they really need to first start by changing the way that they think. Now, when I say that we've got 12,000, 60,000 thoughts every single day, there are studies that suggest that 60 to 70% of those studies, that those uh, thoughts are negative. They're defeatist at best. And so some people would tell you, look, every time you notice that you're having a negative thought, uh, you want to you wanna substitute three to five positive thoughts for that. And for some people, that really works. For some people, what really works, and one of the things that I do, is that regardless of what's going on in my life that day, I practice gratitude. So <clears throat> I think about the things that I'm grateful for, the people that I'm grateful for, even the hardships that I've, I've been through and that I've learned for, because depending on your mindset and what you've been through, you can always find a gem in there, even if that gem is... It allows me to relate to other people who have been through this and I can help them as a result. It's so interesting. And I found as well in my life, when I started being of service, my life got better. And I hear this happening all the time with people because I, I did change my thought process of it. Instead of being woe is me and living in this victim mentality, which is very easy to do, especially if you come from a, a traumatic background, I said to myself, you know what, what if I helped people? Yeah. What if I just taught them something I've learned or understood and that way I could create something positive in the world? Like, now I love that you said that because you're so right. And, and I think gratitude plays a huge role in it. I'm thankful every day. I put my feet on the ground and go, I'm thankful I'm here. It might be a hard ass day, but maybe we'll do something impactful. You know, I think about this idea about the evolution of our brains and the impact that it has on our lives. Um, as we're talking about these thoughts, can you talk about how our thoughts impact the evolution of our brains and thus our lives? Yeah, absolutely. So every time you have a new thought, you make new neurons, right? And every time you think the same thing, you essentially strengthen those neurons and the connections associated with them. So from an evolutionary perspective, our thoughts are incredibly powerful because they're either causing our brains to make new neurons and new connections, or they're strengthening the, the connections that are already there, right? One of the other things is what's most important to us is what our brains focus on. So within our brains, we have this system called the reticular activating system. And it really uh, is responsible for our awareness and our level of consciousness, and not just our awake and sleep cycle, but what we're aware of in our environment, right? So there was uh, one time when I had a, a red car, right? Before having that red car, I never noticed red cars. And then all of a sudden I got this car and it was literally like every other person was driving a red car, 
right? And it's not that people all of a sudden bought red cars. It's just that now this red car, because it was mine, was important to me. And so I was noticing all the other red cars out there. One of the things that I tell people is that your brain will always try to prove you right. So what you focus on really, really matters. Because if you tell yourself, my life sucks, your brain is going to focus on all the negative things in your life to prove you right. If you tell yourself, yeah, I've had tough moments, but I've got this wonderful, wonderful life, your brain is going to focus on that and look to prove you right in terms of that as well. So what you focus on is incredibly important. One of the things that people have asked me in the past is, how did you get through college and medical school and kidney failure and then have kidney transplant eight days later? Right? And the reality is, well, when I was going through college and medical school, the focus wasn't on me. It wasn't on my kidney disease. And in fact, a lot of times the kidney disease was more like a nuisance, right? As a healthcare professional, I've got the sort of added benefit that my life is spent focusing on others, on helping others. And that plays a huge role in our mental and physical health because it's releasing endorphins in our body as well. Do you have trouble falling asleep at night because you have anxiety? I know that I do. And that's why I started using NW Recovery's Sleep Melatonin Formula with CBD. And it's a non-psychoactive CBD, which is really important to people like me who have anxiety and depression because sometimes THC can make you have panic attacks. And this doesn't. Not only is this formulation by NW Recovery made with melatonin, which helps you sleep, it has non-psychoactive CBD. So there's no THC in this product at all. I want you to check this out. If you've never used melatonin before, I have a tremendously difficult time sleeping. And when I started using the recovery sleep formulation, I sleep like a baby. So I want you to check out nw-recovery.com where you can use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20%. I think about this concept and I, I'm going to share it ad nauseum. I know that the unbroken audience is like, okay, dude, we get it. But what you think becomes what you speak, what you speak become your actions and your actions ultimately become your reality. I mean, and you're so spot on. If you put that energy into creating something positive in your life, then you will have something positive. I wish there were a better way to like bottle that up and pill it up and give it to people in this way that, that they could understand the impact that it has because we're all going to have negativity. There's going to be stressors. There's going to be these things that happen in our lives, but we still have the opportunity. We all do to look for the positive, to have gratitude because you, if anyone, you could look at your life and go, man, this has been so hard. Dialysis, kidney failure. I got fucking COVID. Like it doesn't get any worse than that. And yet you still choose that. Do you think that's been a part of your experience or did you have to teach yourself positivity? Oh, no, I definitely had to teach myself positivity, right? Because the reality is that I, I am a medical doctor in the Western philosophy of medicine. And for um, a lot of Western medicine, it's about the Band-Aid approach. It's about giving people a pill and hoping that that's going to fix whatever problem they have. And I tell people often that, look, a pill may help ameliorate the symptoms that you're having, but if you truly want to heal your life, you've got to do the real work. And the real work is in being physically active sometimes. It is in working through the trauma that you face. It's in making sure you're getting enough sleep. It's in making sure that you're eating right. It's in making sure that you're you know, drinking enough water every day, right? So oftentimes I can't give you a pill that's just going to make all the problems go away. You've got to do the work for that to happen. And a lot of that is the taking charge of our brains, right? And I know that in your work, you talk about the pyramid of neurological health. Can you dive into that? Because I think that's going to be so important for people listening right now. And I really want you to go deep here because it's going to help create amazing context for people to understand this. Yeah. So the pyramid of neurological health is essentially things that you can do that are going to be great for the benefit of your brain as well as your body. Right? It's what allows you to be as healthy as possible. It's what allows you to take charge of your health as well as your life. Right? And so that pyramid includes exercising on a regular basis. Right? 
I've already said exercise is the biggest promoter of neuroplasticity. It is great for your body. It allows your body to make uh, new blood vessels. It allows you to have a, a really strong heart, right? Um, one of the examples that I often give when it comes to exercise is if you look at professional athletes, look at somebody like Serena Williams. So Serena Williams, if she wins a tournament in Italy this week, she delivers her victory speech in Italian. She wins a tournament next week in France, she delivers her victory speech in French. Oftentimes professional athletes will be polyglots, meaning they, they speak multiple languages, despite the fact that they're not spending um, a huge amount of time in any particular country, but their brains are working so efficiently because they're constantly being physically active, right? A lot of professional athletes are really successful in multiple endeavors. You look at athletes like LeBron James, right? Who's on his way to being a billionaire. He's not making that billion dollars from his basketball contracts. It's in all the other uh, realms that he's being really successful at. So physical activity is really important. Um, the way that we eat is incredibly important. I think we forget the real purpose of food. The real purpose of food is to give us energy to carry out our daily lives. It is not to emotionally eat, right? The reality is that the way we eat today is very differently than the way early humans ate. You know, back then there was not this amount of sugar. There wasn't this amount of food readily available. They had to actually work to be able to get food, right? Now you just have to, you know, reach in your closet for something. And most of the times the foods that we aren't healthy. The reality is that when we eat, um, it takes work to digest food. And as part of that work, toxins build up. So the more processed foods that we eat, the more toxins build up. The more calories we take in, the more toxins build up. And one of the things that's really important is not to eat to the point that you're full. You wanna eat to where you're 70 to 80% full. The reason being is that when you restrict your calories, it causes your brain and body to release brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that allows your brain to make new neurons and new connections, right? Another part of the pyramid of neurological health is making sure you're getting six to eight hours of sleep per night. When you get into the deeper stages of sleep, that's when your brain takes what you've learned throughout the day, consolidates it into memory. That's when the toxins that have built up throughout the day from the work that you're doing gets cleared out, minimizing your risk of dementias like Alzheimer's disease. It's also when your brain releases brain-derived neurotrophic factor to promote neuroplasticity. You wanna constantly be learning as well, right? I tell people all the time, the secret to life is evolution. And not necessarily evolution as a species, but evolution as an individual. And in order for you to do that, you have to constantly be learning. You have to develop yourself. And so, so those are some of the keys uh, to the neurological pyramid. I love that. And that, that feels all very practical. Right. And, and I, I think that's important to note in this, like, you gotta be patient in this process. Like there's no way you're going to adopt all of these things in one day. Right. And and you see this all the time when people try to do a 180 on their life, oftentimes they fail. And so I think that it's about finding that, that ebb and that flow and creating momentum to head down that pathway of creating this evolution, right? Which you are the, you know, the, you're the arbiter for your life. You're the one who is going to decide what happens in it. One of the things I'm curious about though, and when I understand our psychological reward system, you know, looking at the way that, you know, even though I hear this, you know, and I'm going, yeah, man, I've heard this before. I know to eat, right? I know to sleep. I know to exercise, but there's just something about the dopamine release of all the other things that don't bring me immediate pleasure and value. How do you start to navigate that part of it when you understand, or maybe for those who don't understand the neurological reward system, how do you move into creating these new healthy habits when we often satiate the need and desire for immediate fulfillment and gratitude by doing things that don't make our lives better? Yeah, so the reality is that our brains are incredibly addictive. So we do have this dopamine motivation and reward system. So when we have, when we do something that causes dopamine uh, levels to go up in our brain, that motivates us to continue to do that activity, right? And that's how all addiction forms, whether it's drug addiction, sex addiction, addiction to shopping, right? It causes a spike in dopamine. So we constantly want to do it. Well, other things cause spikes in dopamine as well. Exercise can do it. Maybe certainly not as big as some illicit drug uh, does. Um, but sometimes it's about 
realizing what the triggers are for the thing that's not so healthy for you, right? And moving away from those triggers. So if we take something like alcoholism, sometimes the trigger for alcoholism is gonna be your friends because those are the people that you drink with, right? And so maybe it's about spending less time with them. It might be that on the way you know, back from work, you pass a bar that you like to go drink at. So take a different route from work. So you have to know what your triggers are in order to avoid the things that are not healthy for you. And the things that are healthy for you will cause that spike in dopamine, but certainly not at, as high. But this is where it builds up um, resiliency. This is where you've got to be persistent. This is where you've got to really work hard to do what's going to be best for you. And in that, one of the things that I'm curious about is, do you think that there's ever a match in the dopamine level? Because, you know, they talk about, especially people who do hard illicit drugs like heroin, there's always this thing about chasing the dragon. And you find many of these people because, yes, I do understand. And I, I believe that to an extent, I even have an addictive personality and brain, as we know, that you go and you chase that dragon, but it becomes something else. And so you see these people, many of them become like these high performance athletes where now they're doing these 100K marathons and the chaos of these things. And I find myself also in like, okay, I'm going to train martial arts really hard. I'm going to go and try to run 5Ks every day. All these things start happening. Is How do you start to find the balance of it where instead of taking, and, and even more so, is it possible to find the balance of it, whereas you're not chasing the dragon in what we would even deem a healthy way? Does that right. exist? So you're absolutely right, right? So people who are addicted to things that are not good for you, oftentimes they, they switch that addiction out for something that, that's a little healthier, right? So exercise is a great example of that, or being a high performance person is a great example of that. Um, and I've even done that. I've got a bit of an addicted personality. I remember I was doing this Japanese martial arts and in like 12 months, I somehow got my black belt because I was literally doing it all the time. And when I wasn't doing it, I was thinking about it all the time, right? And so, what happens is, though, when you switch it for something that's sort of healthier, because you're not getting the same spikes in dopamine as you were getting with that, that thing that's not good for you, that over time you'll see that the addictive personality starts to decrease a little bit as the dopamine levels go up. So they don't necessarily chase the dragon in the same way. Interesting. I'm so fascinated by this. And I, I think that I mean, we still don't know as much of, about the human brain as I think we would care to. And so what? let me ask you this. What, if anything, do you think is the missing piece of this puzzle that we're not talking about enough? Well, the reality is that we've learned more about the human brain in the last 20 years than we did it in the previous 200 years. And I'm somebody who believes that the more we learn about the brain, the more that neurology, psychology, psychiatry will all come together. Because the reality is that we study the same organ, but we study it from different perspectives. And so I think you need to get all these people who look at the brain to start working together in order for us to really understand it. And then I think we also need to understand the brain from a spiritual context. And so we really have to embrace all these different sort of disciplines to get a full sense of what our brains are capable of. But I think that's gonna take, take years, if not decades, for us to really get a better sense of what we're truly capable of as human beings because of our brains. Yeah. And I, I think about this all the time. I know this sounds odd, but I believe we live in the matrix and the matrix is created from our brain. And if we understand that, then we can bend the spoon for lack of a better term. So uh, Philippe, this has been an amazing conversation, my friend. Let everybody know where they can find you before I ask you my last question. Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram at philippe.md. They can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn at philippe.md. They can find me on my website at the inleybrainfitinstitute.com. So I-N-L-E brainfitinstitute.com. They can even email me at philippe.duyon at gmail.com. Amazing, my friend. And we'll put all those links in the notes for everyone to come and find you. My friend, my last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? So I think being unbroken is really about accepting the challenges and the hardships that you've been through and knowing that there are going to be hardships ahead, but having enough belief in yourself 
that you're able to fight through, persevere, and be resilient, right? I mean, we all have our moments where we're down and depressed and kind of feeling out, uh, feeling like we're sort of out of it. But, you know, having that belief that we're able to rise through that because we know that we've got the tools within ourselves in order for us to persist. I love that. Beautifully said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening, for watching. Please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.